and welcome to the Canine Conservationists podcast, where we're positively obsessed with conservation detection dogs. Join us every week to discuss conservation biology, dog training, odor flow, and all sorts of amazing things within the field of conservation detection dogs. I am your host, Kayla Fratt. I'm one of the co-founders of Canine Conservationists, where we train dogs to detect data for researchers, agencies, and NGOs. Today is kind of our part two of our big questions mini series. Um, We've heard now about how a bunch of different handler trainers got into the field of conservation detection dogs. And now it's time to talk about how they actually found their canine partners. So again, you're going to be hearing from fabulous trainers from Conservation Dogs Collective, Canine Conservationists, uh, the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference, Rogue Detection, all sorts of amazing conservation dog handlers talking about how they selected and found their current or former canine partners. So if you're in the process of breaking into this field, I think you'll find this really useful. You will not hear me answering this question because I think you can hear that in a variety of other podcasts. And I want to give these other amazing handlers time to shine. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hello, my name is Josephine Locke. I am the founder of Knows No Limit and a keeper with the Conservation Dogs Collective. I have been involved in canine scent detection work for over 10 years, most of that time in search and rescue for human live wilderness find, both in the Midwest and in California. And for the past three years I've been working in conservation detection. Right now I have three dogs in my life, all black Labrador retrievers, all females and all with working field line genetics. Holly is the youngest, she is 18 months old, Willow is 9 and Brenna is in her 16th year. Willow and Holly are my current conservation detection dogs. Brenna was the oldest pup to join our family at around 14 weeks old. Holly came to us at the traditional 8 weeks old and Willow has been with us since drawing her first breath because she is Brenna's daughter and was born in our house along with her six siblings. I like field labs for many reasons. They tend to love their food which helps to make teaching them more straightforward and because labs were originally bred to pick things up with their mouths they can also be easily taught to love a variety of toys which broadens the available options when it comes to reinforcing desired behaviours. Field labs are also lean and athletic with females weighing in around 50 or so pounds. Their smaller size is helpful for dogs in a working role when it comes to things like fitting multiple crates into your vehicle or if you ever have to carry them out of the field because of an injury. Labradors originally came from Newfoundland. Their double coat protects them from the cold and keeps them dry, so they are able to work safely in extreme conditions. They have a natural affinity for water and love to get wet, and their webbed feet make them strong swimmers, so they're also very happy working in wet environments. They are less adapted to extreme heat, but with careful acclimatisation and strict working protocols, this can also be done safely. So all in all, the physical characteristics of labs makes them very versatile and able to cope with a broad range of climate and terrain, making them a good fit for conservation work. Their temperament is generally easygoing and relaxed, while at the same time enthusiastic with high levels of energy and stamina, which make them an ideal choice for long days of searching. Behaviourally, they are usually confident and highly motivated to engage with people and to learn. In fact, the breed standard for both the UK and American Kennel Clubs requires these behavioural traits. Having said all that, behaviour is always unique to the individual, and my youngest dog, Holly, clearly did not read the How to Be a Lab handbook. 
Shortly after we collected her at eight weeks, what showed up in Holly's behaviour was a whole bunch of concerns about the environment, including new people, new locations, noises and sometimes other dogs. Her default approach to anything new was extreme caution. She would get very stiff and very low, and either approach very slowly with all her weight in her rear, ready to quickly jump back, or she would simply take one look and retreat or escape. Sometimes she would flat out panic. Holly was born during the pandemic and the breeder was a 10 hour drive from my home, so visiting the litter prior to bringing her home was not a viable option. However, these behaviours had not been particularly apparent during her first eight weeks of life, so it's still a bit of a mystery. I joke that she came with a lot of questions about the world. And who's to blame her? The world absolutely was an even stranger place than normal during 2020 and 2021. Luckily for me though, she's very curious and highly intelligent. And these traits gave me the building blocks to begin teaching her that the world wasn't quite as scary as she first imagined. I spent most of her first year focused on slowly building her confidence and adaptability. Now there are only a few remaining situations that worry her and her reactions are fairly mild and she recovers quickly. These days she's mostly a happy-go-lucky dog full of fun and mischief and she is thoroughly enjoying learning to be a search dog. Holly's breeder is extremely reputable and most of her dogs are go, go to perform a variety of working roles either in medical alert, search and rescue or a variety of competition sports. She's also a very talented trainer, so I was very comfortable, comfortable with my decision to take on a pup from her litter. When it comes to selecting the actual pup I would have, while the breeder asked for my thoughts, I left the final decision to her, because she knew what I was looking for and the role I intended for the pup, and so I felt she was the best in the best position to match those requirements with the attributes she, she observed in the puppies. Willow is a very different story because she came from a litter I had bred myself. In her case, I already had her mother who had come from an excellent gun dog pedigree and a long line of field trial champions in the UK. After we moved to America, I went searching for a suitable male who had good field lines in his genetics and who also shared her relaxed and sociable nature. There were seven puppies in the resulting litter, three black, three yellow and one cheeky chocolate. Four were female and three were male. One of the things I love about breeding a litter is that you can start forming a relationship with the puppies and shaping their experience and behaviour from the very moment they are born. You get to watch as their individual personalities and temperaments begin to develop and you get to pick the one you connect with the most, the one who displays the, the traits and characteristics you are seeking. And you get to start building the bond with that puppy early and to begin selectively reinforcing and building the behaviours you want for the future of that dog. It's hard work, and also, but also a ton of fun watching them grow and develop. For the puppy I decide to keep, I also like that there is no transition trauma, either for the puppy or the human, because while things do change, as one by one their siblings leave for their new homes, the puppy you keep gets to remain in a home that is familiar with. Regardless of whether I'm selecting a puppy from a breeder, or if I'm breeding a litter myself, my primary focus is always the health of the puppy. And by that I mean both physical and behavioural health. Of course I want a dog that's going to be physically capable of doing the work without any discomfort or increased risk of injury. So it's important that they have the right physical attributes and are physically sound both as a breed and as an individual. I also want them to be as behaviourally healthy as possible. For me what this looks like is a dog that is well balanced. So while I need them to have strong motivations to work and play and to have good stamina and persistence to search, 
I also want them to be able to settle and relax during downtimes. This is important to me both for my sake and for theirs. I like dogs that are thoughtful and considered in their approach to problem solving and that don't make rash or reckless decisions that could result in injuries. I also need dogs that can live comfortably in my home with my family and that I can travel with easily and take with me into a variety of different situations and environments throughout their life. There is no single perfect way to acquire a working dog. There are advantages and disadvantages to each option and everyone has, to ha has their own needs and preferences. All you can do is weigh up these options and when deciding which approach is going to work best for you and your needs and circumstances. In my case, breeding my own dog is by far my gold standard preferred way, but I recognise that this may not be practical or appropriate for everyone. It's hard work, time consuming and expensive, but in my personal experience, the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages. To answer Kayla's question about dogs that wash out, I thankfully have never had to abandon my hopes and goals for an individual dog, but I have definitely encountered many training challenges. And in those early days, I had to face the possibility that Holly's environmental concerns might not improve sufficiently and might prevent her from being my next conservation detection dog. It just wouldn't have been fair to ask that of her and I wouldn't have felt comfortable doing so if her fears had remained present at the intensity they started at. As for the things I might do differently in the future, although I love puppies, I could see myself taking on an older dog if the right one were to come along at the right time. Equally, I could also see myself breeding another litter one day. I could perhaps also see myself in the future trying another breed, but for now, my heart is well and truly with the labs I already have in my life. I'm Lindsay Ware. I'm with Science Dogs of New England. I've been in this field for about four years. I've got two detection dogs, Delta, who's a Australian Shepherd, and Chili Bean, who is a Labrador Retriever. I also have a conservation tracking dog, Aldo, who is a wire-haired dachshund, or a tuckle. And Aldo and I do wounded large game recovery together. I'm going to focus on just my detection dogs here, uh, Delta and Chili Bean. So first off with Chili Bean, I knew as far as breed uh, that I did want a working line Labrador Retriever. Um, I was fairly specific about what I wanted in the lab, so um, I was taking a bit of time kind of finding the right dog, the right litter. I think um, the Labrador choice was a little bit of a preference based on some prior experiences, so I grew up with labs. Um, but I also watched some really nice working labs with uh, law enforcement and search and rescue people that I knew and admired. And uh, I just really liked their style. For Delta, uh, she is a working line Australian Shepherd. And uh, I kind of went that direction because I knew one of the dogs I wanted was a lab. And I wanted my other detection dog to be something very different from a lab. I also have a bit of a preference and love for herding dogs. and. Again, this is probably from experiences a little bit. My first ever dog as an adult was an Australian Shepherd mix. Um, but also, this is probably from working with many herding dogs through being a pet dog trainer. So I wanted to have a very mixed team of dogs. 
Um, and my goal was to start off science dogs with two very different dogs. In both cases, I chose to look at reputable breeders because um, I had very specific things I was looking for and I wanted to raise my dogs from puppyhood. I had also had a very good experience obtaining uh, my wire-haired dachshund from a reputable breeder. He was actually the first dog uh, I had ever gotten from a breeder. And uh, it was just a really great experience and I wanted to, to continue that. For both dogs, I wanted uh, confident, bold, uh, high-drive dogs. It was also very important for me to have dogs uh, that could settle when they weren't working, provided, of course, that all their needs were met. Although I know training is super important for that, uh, I, I do strongly believe that this trait can be su successfully selected for in a breeding program as well. I want to live the kind of life with my working dogs where they're in the house with me um, and I have a significant other that I'm trying not to drive too crazy. So this aspect was really uh, very important for me. As far as assessment goes, I, I didn't assess Chili Bean, my lab, because my breeder is experienced in scent detection and is amazing at matching dogs. Uh, so I was matched with Chili. In fact, I was actually on a list for a puppy from an upcoming litter from that breeder, but Chili was held back from a prior litter because she just had a, a minor dental issue. And the breeder, being very responsible, just wanted to make sure that uh, the dental issue wasn't going to cause a problem for Chili before uh, releasing her to a home. So she wasn't sold to a home when she was eight weeks old with her litter mates. Uh, Chili was about five to six months old when she was ready for our home, and it turned out that we were a great match for each other. With Delta, I did assess her a bit uh, because when it came to working line Aussies, um, or to her breeder, I suppose, matching to scent detection homes wasn't really in her breeder's realm of expertise. However, I didn't really rely on my interactions with Delta in person, um, since the only time I could visit the litter would actually be when I went to pick her up. So instead, um, to choose a puppy, I relied on reports, um, on observations from her breeder, and also input from her breeder. It, she was, in that respect, sort of also matched with me, but the breeder allowed me to assist in this just because she did not have sense detection experience and she wanted to make sure um, that I was getting a puppy that most matched what I was looking for. I'm just really kind of a big believer that people interacting with the puppies every day, like the breeder, are going to be the best source of information um, rather than a little snapshot that I can get uh, by myself from spending like one afternoon with them. So as far as doing something possibly different in the future, I don't know if this counts, but uh, I personally hope to have some things even more narrowed down as far as my preferences are concerned, especially when it comes to breed. I've had this uh, situation in tracking dogs as well where I dislike a lot of variety initially uh, to really fine tune the specifics of what type of dogs I work best with. 
And I just like to be open to many different types of dogs. So I actually am a little envious of detection dog folks that really have their preferences narrowed down. Uh, they have a breed that they just know they mesh well with and they, they really prefer. So I hope for my next detection dog that I'm going to have that uh, more defined as well. Hi there, my name is Laura Holder and I am the Executive Director for Conservation Dogs Collective. In 2017, Midwest Conservation Dogs was founded. However, in 2021, we renamed ourselves to Conservation Dogs Collective. I've been involved with the organization since its foundation, and even before then, since 2010, I've been a professional dog trainer. I have my CPDTKA certification through the CCPDT, as well as my CNWI certification through the NACSW. My heart is absolutely owned by my two dogs. Um, both of them are Labrador Retrievers. Ernie is my five-year-old Yellow Lab, and Betty White is my three-year-old Black Lab. So while I currently have Labradors, I actually was a German Shepherd girl beforehand, um, but labs kind of infiltrated their way into my life through the world of canine nose work and also some of the behavior cases that I was doing. Um, in addition, the co-founder of Midwest Conservation Dogs had a fabulous dog named Summit, and I was fortunate enough to be around Summit a lot as she went through her nose work uh, career and um, she had two litters of puppies, and that's where I actually got Ernie from. Ernie's from her second breeding. And um, so I've had the great benefit of knowing her as a breeder beforehand, and um, I kind of just got on the Labrador wagon from there. I really look for um, breeders that truly care about where their puppies go, but also care about the dogs that they are breeding from. Um, I really find it to be valuable if the people are actually working the dogs in some kind of detection realm, whether that's canine nose work, search and rescue, um, you know, professional like law enforcement, um, or something like that. But, you know, I like dogs that are actually active. They're not just being used for breeding and, you know, they produce puppies. So, you know, as I got to learn more about Ernie and everything and just got my name out there more and saw more working dogs as conservation dogs kind of got up and running, um, I actually connected with Betty White's breeder by way of her reaching out to me through some of the graphic design work that I do on the side. Um, she looked, um, she was looking for a new logo for her her um, breeding program, Catalyst Kennels. She's out in C Connecticut. And, you know, she told me a little bit about herself over an email. I'm like, hey, let's schedule a call and start talking. And I think, um, I think Caitlin and I were on the phone with each other for an hour and a half or two hours. Um, we immediately hit it off. I loved talking to her about the programs um, she was involved with for breeding, you know, and some of the science behind the breeding um, and just her philosophy of raising her own dogs, working with her own dogs, and then, you know, producing litters that um, were going to be really great detection prospects. And also the, the quantity of litters that she was producing every year and still is, you know, she was doing one to two litters a year. And I find that to be um, a really good indicator of someone that's producing for quality. Like they're actually watching the litters being raised. You know, they're very hands-on with that entire process from start to finish. 
obviously, you know, as someone that's getting a puppy, um, with my second dog, with Betty White and Caitlin, I didn't have the opportunity to really get out to Connecticut to see her dogs ahead of time. Um, but even if I, you know, was able to, I'm looking for uh, breeders that do sometimes, you know, the, the breed-specific health clearances, because there are several um, with different types of breeds. Um, but I'm also looking at the longevity and health in the pedigree of the dogs that they're breeding. Um, again, like not just the direct parents and their workability and, you know, detection tasks they're doing, but also, you know, the generations beyond them, um, what kind of accomplishments they've had. Um, and I honestly leave the assessment of the litter to the breeders. You know, I'm curious about what metrics they're looking at and what data they're collecting. Um, but I feel that, you know, it's kind of when you find a really good breeder, they want to get to know you. They want to get to know what the dog's going to be doing when they go home with you. And I have like a lot of faith once I get to that point with a relationship um, with a breeder that they're going to do their best to match the puppy with, you know, my my lifestyle, my work style, um, and so on. So I really do have a lot of faith, but I am curious, you know, what they're doing, of course. And I might even interject like, well, you know, in conservation work, we're going to experience X, Y, and Z type of scenario. So are you testing for certain, um, you know, traits or surfaces or responses to things that might um, help make an educated choice for that as well? And uh, it, fortunately, I haven't had to wash a dog out. Um, however, I will say in the future, there might be a few things that I would consider doing differently. And one of them is I love, 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 love puppies and raising puppies. But I could see in the future actually considering getting a dog that's between, you know, one to two years old. Um, some of it's just to bypass the fun, you know, stuff that comes along with puppyhood, you know, potty training and all that good stuff. Um, but also just the, you know, timing of everything. It takes time to raise a puppy. It takes time to train that puppy up. Um, and if I'm, you know, truly more in a time pinch as I get older, it would be great to find a, a lovely fit in a dog that's, you know, one to two years old that's had some really great foundation training, um, whether that's, you know, directly with detection work, but definitely with positive reinforcement training and exposure to a lot of different environments and uh, situations. Because a lot of the work I'm currently involved with, you know, I live in Wisconsin and I don't know, four to eight months out of the year sometimes, it's crappy outside. It's cold, icy. Um, we're not doing a lot of detection work outside. We do some, you know, maintenance training throughout the winter, but the reality is like my dogs aren't out there working 40 hours a week, um, 52 weeks out of the year. So uh, I'm looking for a dog that has a really great motivation to work when we need to work, but also one that's not going to be complaining about, you know, if we sit around for a couple of weeks at a time, um, obviously doing some enrichment and training during that time and physical activity, but yeah. Um, so that's one thing I would definitely consider doing different in the future. My name is Rachel Hamry. I am planning to work for West this coming summer and fall. I've done about seven years of data collection and field work, but this will be my second season working as a conservation detection dog handler. I recently adopted my dog Suki, and she is a border collie. Um, last year, when I was doing conservation detection dog work, I was borrowing barley, and pretty early on, I 
it was just confirmed for me that this was a job or career path that I wanted to continue. And so that meant that I would um, need to and finally have the opportunity to adopt a dog of my own. So I made a spreadsheet that included requirements, high priority, and preferred traits. I've always wanted a healer, and I knew that I didn't want to deal with any dog-dog reactivity or issues um, or separation anxiety. I have fostered over 20 dogs, so I feel confident that while I can handle most behavior issues, I also know which ones I enjoy working on more or less, and I also know the things that I'm willing to live with long-term. Um, between fostering and working in a doggy daycare, I also kind of knew what dog traits I felt attracted to. Um, I've always enjoyed herding dogs. So I was looking on PetFinder, I was looking in Facebook groups, um, pretty much just anywhere. I figured that with my connections to shelters and rescue organizations that I would uh, be able to find my perfect match um, from a rescue relatively easily. Um, there were three dogs at a shelter that was about one hour away. Um, none of them seemed like the perfect fit for me, but I figured to drive an hour to go meet three dogs and just see if any of them were the right match, I thought that was worth it. Um, <laughs> when I was at the shelter, I kind of walked through and I made a list of all the dogs that I wanted to meet. Um, there were three of them on the website that I had found, but then there was a fourth one, a Border Collie, who was at the shelter, who I added to my list. Um, so I met the first three, and they were they were all nice. They were good dogs, but they weren't quite my perfect match. Um, and I adore Border Collies, um, but one of my very strong preferences on my spreadsheet was that I did not want a black and white dog. At the shelter, I asked about this Border Collie, um, along with the three that I'd come to see, and when I asked about um, Suki, who at the time was Hui, they kind of rolled their eyes and said I was the fifth person to ask about her that day. Um, they asked if I had kids or cats, and I said no, and that I was looking for a working dog, and then they basically told me that she was coming home with me. Um, they, I met her real quick, um, and... They slid some paperwork over to me that I signed, um, thinking that I was just going to take her on a trial run, and so I was kind of asking more information about the trial run, and they said, oh, that's the adoption or that's the adoption contract. Um, and I was like, well, no, wait, like, I just want to take her on a trial run just to make sure it's the, the right match. And so they put my adoption contract on file, and then I came back about a week later, and they pulled out the adoption contract that I had already signed, um, and then I had officially adopted her. During that week that I had Suki before I officially adopted her, um, I mostly kind of got a feel for if we clicked as a team, just kind of that feeling of, like, when you know, you know. Um, and I was also kind of trying out her ball and play drive. It was pretty interesting because at first she was interested in playing, but not super interested and like only sort of had a concept of the idea of fetch. Um, but over even just like the first day or two, uh, we built that drive really quickly. And so I felt like that was a really good sign for me that, um, that she was going to be a good fit and also that she would have the uh, motivation that I needed um, in order to find my right working dog. Um, and other than that, it was kind of just um, yeah, making sure that 
we enjoyed each other, that she was a dog that even if things don't work out for us uh, as a conservation detection dog team, I just wanted to make sure that she was a dog that I would enjoy as a pet. Um, and that was pretty quickly confirmed for me. My name is Abby Smith. I'm gearing up for my second field season with rogue detection teams where I get to work with my own German Shepherd, Hugo. Hugo is actually the third dog I raised for a guide dog puppy program, and he wasn't able to be a guide dog, so I adopted him back, which is always bittersweet because you really do want to see all of that work you and your puppy do pay off and see them graduate and be that guide dog. Not every dog ends up a guide dog for so many different reasons, and that's okay. There's a place for every dog. Most of the time with the released dogs, they end up adopted back by their puppy raiser. So I was one of those people. I adopted Hugo back. I had Hugo as my pet for about half a year before I ended up getting hired by Rogue. And then it turned out that Hugo had the nose for the job and the desire to do the job, so he got to join me, which was truly ideal because I, I don't think I could have left him behind for any dream job. Working with conservation dogs is my dream job and the whole reason I got into puppy raising. So I'm so glad that I didn't have to choose between time with Hugo, my permanent companion, and doing this job. I'm also so glad that I found puppy raising. It's been such a formative part of my life. And without my strong desire to get into the conservation dog field, I don't know if I would have had the same motivation to get as involved as I have. How it typically works is you get them around eight weeks old and then you teach them basic obedience. You show them different environments, different people, different animals. But more than that, you're also teaching them how to deal with their emotions. Like if things get too exciting or if something kind of scary happens, helping them learn how to recover from that and how to deal with that. After a little over a year with their puppy raisers, the dogs go back to the guide dog school and have an evaluation. We call it IFT, in for training. And that's when the puppy raiser says a very tearful goodbye to their dog. But it's pretty satisfying getting to see this evaluation that's a little snapshot of all the different skills you've worked on with your pup. From there, they have about six months of training with a professional trainer. That's where they learn how to pull in the harness, how to watch for curbs and cars and all the amazing things that guide dogs do. And then they get matched with their handler. And that's really, for me at least, the thing that makes saying goodbye worth it because those guide dogs mean so much to those handlers and the wait list is so long. So they waited so long to meet this dog and they're going to go on all these adventures together. So for me, thinking about that moment that your dog is matched with their handler is what gets you through how just heartbreaking saying goodbye to the dog is every time. Despite all the tears, there's something pretty addicting about being a puppy raiser. There's a lot of people who have raised a dozen guide dogs. 
I even read an article about a woman from a different school who was raising her 100th puppy for the program. I'm one of those people guilty of being addicted to it. Right now during the off season, just for a few months, I'm puppy raising a little black lab named Yara. who has got a white stripe on her chest. And it's been really cool applying what I've learned from my time with rogue detection teams to puppy raising what's my seventh dog. So I've already done this a couple times, but now after a little bit of detection dog experience, I'm going through it with a different perspective. There's a lot of overlap between the detection dogs and the guide dogs. They need to have good recall. They need to be able to work around distractions. They need to have that persistence and drive to keep working. And then there's also the more overarching theme that both guide dogs and detection dogs have to be aware of their environment and making choices independent from their handler while still having very clear, consistent, reliable communication with their handler. That practical utility of the human-dog bond is something that's fascinated me since I was a little kid. So I'm so thankful as an adult that I get to have a perspective on it, both through the guide dog puppy raising and now as a detection dog handler. Even beyond my wildest dreams is that I get to experience it with my own dog. And Hugo is just, he's just blooming out there. It's fun to see him have fun and have to try to coax him back to the car when we finish a plot because he doesn't want to be done. And I'm really excited to see what another season has in store for him. Hi, my name's Arden Blumenthal. I am the conservation dogs program coordinator at the New York, New Jersey trail conference. And my dog is Pete, a black Labrador. I originally wanted my first conservation detection dog to be a rescue, but when I was ready um, to find a dog, it was uh, about the beginning of the pandemic. And um, there was actually a shortage of dogs in the Northeast, especially due to the uh, increase in adoptions um, as a result of people being uh, home from work more. So I didn't have the bandwidth, I didn't have the time um, or the ability to travel, um, the connections to find the right fit from a shelter dog. And so uh, I knew if I was going to get a purebred, my preference was a Labrador based on my previous life experiences with labs and the fact that I had a great um, friend and mentor um, in uh, Caitlin Graham, who is the um, owner um, and operator of Catalyst Kennels um, pretty nearby. So with the help of Kate, um, I actually co-raised two Labrador puppies from American Field Trial Lines. Um, so I got to, I got to try out or try on both of them, I guess you could say. And in around six months, uh, I decided which one I wanted to keep. Um, and the other one was actually, uh, went on to pursue and has actually in a career with, um, a law enforcement, um, as a single purpose detection dog. So, um, Pete stayed with me and I'm so happy that he did. He's a great fit. Um, I love that he's 
um, goofy and <laughs> he um, is very forgiving to you know my novice um, handling skills and he's been a first great dog for, uh, first dog for me to learn with. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a lot and are feeling inspired to get outside and be a canine conservationist in whatever way suits your passions and skill set. To find show notes, donate to canine conservationists, buy merch, or join our Patreon for learning clubs and book clubs and all sorts of collaborative support, head on over to canineconservationists.org and we hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Podcasting is an astonishing amount of work, so I rely on some great tools to make it easier. One of my staples is Zencaster. They provide a crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. I love that it records separate audio and video tracks for the guests and for me so that everything comes through really clearly, even if there's a lag in the internet. Plus, there's a secured cloud backup so you never lose your interviews. Since I'm often recording from remote places, I love that it's easy to record audio only as well as audio and video. It's super easy to use and there's nothing to download aside from your recordings. My guests just click on the link and we start recording. Go to zen.ai slash canine conservationists to get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Pro. So again, that's zen.ai slash canine conservationists for 30% off.